post-George Floyd in America and post-pandemic, there has been a cultural comeuppance when it comes to the dialogue on race and has become such a hot-button topic that the only people more trepidatious to confront the issues than white people are white politicians. The far right have no problem insisting that our children's math textbooks contain critical race theory, and the left can't stop apologizing for slavery, but still have made no strides towards reparations. In 2005, this reckoning had not yet occurred, but that doesn't mean the conversation could have not been made back then. While I was making rap sheet, Sean Bell was killed in a hail of gunfire in Queens, New York, by NYPD officers. Sean Bell was shot in New York City while unarmed by police officers in the borough of Queens on November 25th of 2006. Three men were shot when a total of 50 rounds were fired by New York City police in both plain clothes and uniform. Bell was killed on the morning before his wedding and two of his friends, Trent Benefield and Joseph Guzman, were severely wounded. It's been 14 years since Sean Bell died in a hail of 50 bullets at the hands of police. Bell was a rising baseball star, a 23-year-old looking forward to his wedding day, celebrating at Club Kahlua, when things took a tragic turn, when undercover NYPD officers opened fire on Bell's car. Bell and his friends had no weapons. The shooting rocked the city. The city and the country are still dealing with police brutality, and the pain runs deep. The incident sparked fierce criticism of the NYPD and drew comparisons to the 1999 killing of Amadou Diallo, an unarmed 23-year-old Ghanaian student who was shot by four New York City Police Department plainclothes officers. Three of the five detectives involved in the Bell shooting went on trial on charges of first and second degree manslaughter, first and second degree assault, and second degree reckless endangerment. They were found not guilty on all charges. As my persistence to tell the story of the hip-hop cops increased, my fixers Steve Lobel and Pistol Pete delivered on their promise to secure me interview subjects. What sounded good in theory was in reality far different as their strategy was to merely accost artists and executives pretty much anywhere, at studios, at parties, at concerts, on the street, back alleys. They even spotted Kanye West at an album release party and convinced him to do an interview in the back of the club's kitchen. In true Kanye fashion, he gave me a great soundbite, even though I was only able to ask him one question. Here is his response to me asking him about the scrutiny that the police had on the industry. This was Polo Kanye, college dropout Kanye, but still, it was Kanye. To make music, period, is popular. Yeah. Whether, no matter what you talk about, because you gotta talk about your experiences, what you went through. 50 Cent in the club makes people feel good. Jay-Z, Big Pippin, makes people feel good. You can get so wrapped up in that melody, and maybe you forget about the hardships that you're going through. That's our job. I was trying to tackle racial issues, but my execution was off. It was sloppy. I just had to grab anything I could from the celebrities as it was rare to get an actual sit-down interview. One interesting phenomenon at that time in hip-hop 
was there were these street DVDs that became this exploding business. Smack, Cocaine City by French Montana were DVDs of music compilations, rappers basically talking shit and giving guerrilla filmmakers a quick soundbite that they could edit between music videos. This was actually a style that I think I incorporated into Rap Sheet. These DVDs were sold all over the five boroughs, out of warehouses, mom and pop stores, and if you were lucky, online. It was a cash business and it was thriving. Drugs on music, cocaine city, man. You already know what it is, man. I fuck through my nigga smack. I don't really talk too much. I'm gonna show you why it's the conversations being had across our country as it relates to race, class, and the dynamics of the American experiment at times has left me searching for alternate answers. As an artist or writer, Am I still qualified to investigate the criminal justice system as it pertains to hip-hop? Or am I now too old to capture the intricacies and complexities of an industry I've reported on for my whole career? At times I wonder if it's time to move on. As the war on drugs, mass incarceration, the federal system all seem to be getting worse, not better. As a country, our justice mechanisms are old, archaic, cruel, and not that of a democracy. The roller coaster of emotions, the disappointment and headaches I have endured while chasing gangsters and the effects on their families, the stories of drugs and lawlessness, it's all starting to feel repetitive and hopeless. But for some reason, it's like Oliver Stone's obsession with the JFK assassination. There just seems to be more rocks to turn over and more truths to be found. There seemed to be an obvious and growing disconnect between law enforcement and those in hip hop. To compound the issue on both sides, a movement called Stop Snitching or Kill All Rats began to gain wide momentum within inner cities throughout the United States. It's also become a trend within hip hop culture. There's a, um, a code of some kind that you don't rat on someone else. You know, uh, there are times when you have to break that code. I think the ones who do more harm to us than the police in uniform is the ones without the uniform. The ones who grab microphones and be on stage rapping. They snitching and they telling they doing the police job. So we really can't speak on what's going on until we stop all these motherfuckers between our own backyard. You can just tell a snitch. A snitch just got a different smell to him. You know what I'm saying? Different walk to him, a different look to him. You in the streets, man, you play by street rules. You don't go snitching on niggas. You don't go telling on niggas. Sammy the Bull killed 50 niggas and he snitched. If Sammy the Bull could snitch and he killed 50 people and you a nigga that ain't killed one person, you feel like you snitching, it's okay too. Stop Snitching movement is based on street code. What's done in the streets stays in the streets, and anyone involved in the game does not speak to law enforcement. There is one simple ethos, death before dishonor. Death before dishonor, man, that's, um, that's not really a statement. That's uh, one of the codes of the streets. Gangs tend to want to take care of things themselves 
and end up with revenge instead of actually giving information to the police. But some rappers will actually put in their lyrics to to uh, let us read between the lines and actually give us information so they're not known as a snitch. In rap sheet and hip-hop in 2005, snitching and the stop snitching movement became a national story. It was covered by Bill O'Reilly on Fox News and Anderson Cooper on 60 Minutes. Rapper Cameron has made millions from his lyrics about life in the mean streets of Harlem. And a big part of his hip-hop culture is keeping your mouth shut when the cops come around. He told CNN's Anderson Cooper on 60 Minutes why he'd rather be silent than a snitch. You were shot in both arms? Yes. And you have nerve damage in one of them? Yes. If you had seen who shot you, mm -hmm. would you have told police? No. Why? Because the type of business I'm in, it would definitely hurt my business. And the way that I was raised, I just don't do that. I was raised differently not to tell. A lot of people, though, hearing that are going to say that that's not a good thing. The people that say it's not a good thing are most likely the people that don't buy my records. You know what I'm saying? The people that buy my records kind of understand where I'm coming from. I have a fan base of 500,000 people, which means every time my album comes out, I sell 500,000 on a good day, on a bad day. On a great day, I sell two million records. So basically, the people who would say that that isn't a good thing, I don't think those are the same people that buy my album. The people that buy my music will understand why I'm saying what I'm saying. So for you, it's, it's really about business. It's about business, but it's still also a code of ethics. Like I said, I'm raised from where we wasn't raised to tell. You wasn't brought up to say, hey, this guy did that. This guy did that. It's kind of like not saying go do something bad to the person who did something to you, but it's kind of policing your own community. If there is a serial killer living next door to you, though, and you know that person is, you know, killing people, would you be a snitch if you called police and told them? If I knew the serial killer was living next door to me? Yeah. No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call and tell anybody on them, but I'd probably move. Like, I'm not going to be around because... I don't need to be living around serial killers, but I'm not gonna call and be like, put the signs up like, yo, you know, the serial killers in 4E. It's not your responsibility. Exactly. Is there any situation where you think it's okay to talk to the police? Yeah, definitely. Say hello, how you feel, everything all right, period. Do you worry about the, the, the message that a kid listening to your music is getting? Oh, no, I wouldn't. But the truth is, it, it's not really your concern the ramifications of this. I mean, that if if no one comes forward, the murder rates, no one will get convicted of crimes or, or fewer fewer murderers will get caught. That It doesn't really matter to you because this code is more important. Much so, definitely. Living by this code, maintaining street credibility, that's more important. Definitely. Again, my attempt to address this story revolved on a very hip-hop-centric viewpoint. But what I can say today with 17 years of reporting, research, and personal experience, the use of confidential informants inside our justice system is a systemic problem. If you want to convict gangsters of any ilk on their crimes and you build a strong case using factual evidence, you have no complaints from me. The problems I have seen over and over is the use of informants to lie, fabricate narratives, and to really manipulate juries for career advancement. I hope at some point to do a deep dive into this system and the many flaws, but also the destruction it has caused 
to include the overcrowding of federal jails and these massive prison sentences. I feel like a broken record. I feel like my pursuits on this subject could and might be futile. But to write nothing or not pursue these ideas and constructs would be even worse. <laughs>